Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Some three weeks back, after the service, after I attended to newcomers with my team, joined the finance team. When we came out, myself and pastor, we came out through this side. Then there is this canopy here. So I didn't take note of anything. Suddenly after the canopy, I see everybody looking up. They were looking up. Then it reminded me of those tales by the moonlight we normally do in Nigeria in those days. That are, they, are these people trying to play game? What are they looking for in the sky? Who can remember what happened? Locals. Does that remind you of anything? It, it does. <clears throat> so today, because that event that happened that day reminded me of many things. And in, in the week or so, we visited uh, Pastor Leslie, and this issue came up as well. So with the people that we visited him together, we discussed this issue. Then it began to occur to me that God must be telling us something. How many of us can guess where this thing came from? Why are we not seeing them? Don't be surprised. It's not just in Oman. They travel so many countries. As we have seen them here, other people in other places, they have seen them. You may not know the impact, brethren. If you are a farmer, you see them. You will rush straight to your farm to see what you can do. But there is nothing you can do. Praise the Lord. First, how many of you are afraid of insects here? I know many people are afraid of insects. There are some people among you that ordinary house fly. They will shout blood of Jesus. <laughs> Not to talk of when you see spiders and some other things. So most people are terrified with uh, just minor insects. Recently, like I said, we've just seen the locusts here. And, uh, and I hope that reminds you of something. So today, my topic is locusts were here. Do they remind you of anything? You can see from the screen. The first day I noticed lo this locust, I was coming from the office. I saw so many vehicle parking. As usual, I was thinking maybe it, 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 it is an accident that happened. But I later discovered that there something, something was moving. I also parked to join to see. Then I saw it, I pick one, oh, I say, okay, grasshopper. So, that is how I look at it. Brethren, this is a swarm of locusts. And when you look at them closely, they look exactly like grasshopper. There are different species all over the world. Different species. But they are very destructive. And when you look at the scripture also, locusts have a... Uh, local prominent places in the scripture as well. You will see them at the beginning of the Bible. Who remember where? What happened? Egypt. You will see them. At the middle of the Bible? Do we remember? Joel. And at the end of the Bible? Towards the end? Revelation 9, 3. Revelation 9, 3 to 5. Quickly I read. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power. 
as the scorpion of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass. This type of locust should not even hurt the grass. What are they to hurt? The grass of the earth, neither any green things, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seed of God in their forehead. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, just to torment them. Let's summarize it that way. That is one part of locusts at the end of the Bible. One thing is that whenever locusts show up, even in the scripture, they take over the page. They take over the story. As we, can, as we have seen in the Egypt and in the middle of the Bible, Joel, and towards the end. So, locusts can be a face of certain grasshopper at times. Surprisingly, they multiply quickly. They come together in huge numbers. And when they Whenever they come together, they begin to migrate. And as they migrate, they added wings. And they become agents of destruction. They consume everything green. Everything, wherever they go, everything that appears green, they will consume it. The most amazing thing about this is that it's in the Proverb 30, Proverb 30, verse 27. Proverbs 30:27 marvels at the fact that although the locusts have no king, yet they go, all go out in ranks. They have no king, but they have the hierarchy of how they move. Yes, they are united and travel as one huge body when something tells them to. If you have never experienced it before, you have seen it practically here about a few weeks back. It's not just for that one day, so many days. So many days. But we thank God that God took control. The government was able to do something without much more damages. So, many of us, when we hear about locusts, like I said earlier, what first comes to our mind is what happened in Egypt when God sent the swarm of locusts to devour the land. God used that as a punishment to Egypt Pharaoh. That story is in the book of uh, Exodus 10. If you read 3 to 6, that summarizes it. We are not going there now. Sometimes, again, the table are turned against these locusts. It also happened within this period that this thing happened. Because I was in front of my house, I saw some people with nets. They were trying to catch it. What am I trying to say is that sometimes the table are turned against these locusts. They be they became food for some people. In some country, they eat it. They are a source of protein. Some country consider them so delic- uh, 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 as a delicacy. Again, let's go back to scripture. In Lifticus, the Israelites were commanded. What is that command? Lifticus 11.22 these you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. You see, 
Even God commanded them that they may eat. So when I say some people were cashing it in front of my house here, you are laughing. It's true. They consider it to be good for them to eat. Not just that, even John the Baptist. Matthew 3, 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. You see, when you have no faith hardship, you will say, I cannot eat this. Ask people that are in the war zone. Ask people that they are in the war zone, they can farm. But because of the situation, they cannot go to farm. They eat what they see. So you need to appreciate God. That God has made everything beautiful for you. John the Pantheist seemed to enjoy them also when he was in the wilderness. At least to some people, they are good source of protein. So a large swarm of locusts can consist of billions of them spread over an area of thousands of kilometers. In fact, the Bible recorded that when they take over, you will not be able to see the sun. So you can imagine those tiny, tiny things. Now, if I ask you what does locusts do, you know. Locusts are meant to destroy. They are meant to destroy. They are very destructive. But let's, th let's think about this. What caused swarm? Where are they? Where were they before? Does it mean they are not in existence? They exist. But not in large quantity. But when God wants to speak to his people, he knows how to gather them together. And by the time they come together, they multiply within a few minutes, within a few days, within a few weeks, and they grow. In scripture, they are meant for discipline. That is what the Locusts are doing. Just like we are the parents, we discipline our children to teach them lessons and to discourage them from bad behavior. Similarly, our Heavenly Father always wants to show us that, yes, He disciplines us. At the same time, He shows us His love. Our Heavenly Father does not want us to see, does not want to see His children go down a path of destruction. So He wants you and me to repent. And follow his way. So the recent locust notice in this country is a reminder of what Brother uh, Prophet Joel wrote in his book last week. Because I already have this in mind that this is the message I'm going to share. Suddenly, Brother Marcus was here. He was talking about those parts of the Bible that many of us we don't go there. And he, he talked about what? Habakkuk. Oh, good. I thought maybe we now remember. He talked about Habakkuk. Joel also fall within that category of prophets that people don't talk much about them. The Joel himself, he described a terrible invasion of locusts and devastating drought that happened to the land of Judah. In this event, he sees a sign, the coming day of the Lord. The prophet conveyed the Lord's call to the people to repent and God promise of restoration and blessing for his people. 
Noteworthy is the promise that God will send his spirit upon all the people, men and women, young and old alike. Turn with me to Joel 1, from verse 1 to 11. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Petuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in, our, in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine, and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The land mourns for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you wine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The prophet Joel writes about invasion of locusts. He writes about the, plea, the plague of locusts. That is, the devastation, the ruin, as an object of lesson for future judgment. If they do not repent and return to God. That was the message that Joel was passing across to them. Maybe God is passing the same message to us now. We could see what is happening. It might not be locusts, it might be coronavirus. God wants us to come closer to him. God wants us to return to him. It may not be you and me. Some people might be responsible for this. Praise the Lord. There are two main emphases through, this, through the book of Joel as a whole. The need for repentance and the hope of restoration of restoration, that is reestablishment, reinstatement. Because of their rebellion against God and turning to idol, the Israelites has lost their way. So, but God wants to restore his people to the, to the blessed life that he has planned for them under his rule. So let's talk about the outbreak now of the locusts in the time of uh, Jewel. He made it known to the people of Judah that this is a sign of judgment. Brethren, could this be a sign of judgment? Not just to this land, to the entire world. The coronavirus, could it be a sign of judgment? Could it be a sign that God wants us to come back to him? So, in Joel 1, 2, God used the locust plague, that is 2 to 4 now, to punish Judah. Joel asked the elders of Judah, if they could remember a locust plague like this 
Or as any of you, maybe the oldest among us might remember sometimes back this type of epidemic that have happened. Both the locals that visited this land, visited many countries, and what we are facing worldwide now. The same question was asked by Joel, whether they could remember when this happened in their lifetime. In Joel 1, he said, Hear this word and give ear or Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land, as anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your father. Even their forefather has spoken about this. Joy wanted them to understand that this is not just nature. Whatever you have seen in this time, uh, days back, it's not just nature, it's not just natural. Because these locusts were somewhere before. Why are they not coming in multitude? They made news. So if they have a place they live, I'm sure people will go there and just destroy them. But God knows when to bring them together as a sign that he wants us to return to him. Because of the sin of the Judas, Judah, God wants them to Reply. In fact, Joel wants this judgment to serve as a warning to four generations. If you look at verse 3, he said, Tell your children, tell your children, let your children tell your children about it, let your children tell their children, and their children and another generation. So we are talking of the children, grandchildren great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. It's a reminder to you also that we need to turn to God. So, Joel wanted them to remember that the disaster was consequence of their sin. We don't know what is going on right now. Maybe it's the consequences of the sin of the world. So, God wants you, I mean, to return back to him. God wants you and me to repent. So, maybe this is a sign. Even though coronavirus has come first, then again we see the locusts. Could this be the sign? Let us get closer to God. Let's draw ourselves, let's bring ourselves closer to God. Let's call for repentance. Sometimes, some sign might be the kind of hardship we are passing through. It might not be the locusts. Your locust might be what is happening in your family. The hardship you are passing through is a sign, it's a warning that God wants you to come back to Him. Put everything before God. I want to tell you that God will never shine unless He passes through fire. Some situation you are passing through might be some kind of uh, situation that will lift you up into the next level. And God will do this in Jesus' name. So to see if indeed we are following a path that is not pleasing God. Sometimes God trying to tell us something. God trying to push us through some situation. All we need to do is to examine ourselves. So Joel remind the Judah of the degree of the destruction. If you read from verse 4 to 12, he reminded them the degree. First, the locusts came and destroyed much of the vegetation. That is, anything that looks like plant, 
they destroyed. The female laid millions of eggs in the soil. And when the lovers appear, they continue the devastation. In those days, uh, grasshopper in the farm, whenever you see them, we try to kill them. Even they are, by the time they lay their egg at the back of the leaf, when immediately this egg begins to hatch. As they were hatching, they begin to eat the vegetable. So, if we are harvesting those vegetables to go and sell in the market, you will, people will not buy it because they have seen the sign that grasshoppers ate it. So, brethren, this locust, the first thing, the, 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 the locust came to destroy. That's the first thing. Second, the female laid egg and the lava also appeared. They also continued the destruction there. The third one, they passed from the lava to stage of pupa, in which at this time they begin to maybe hop a little bit forward. They are developing the wing. And this one also, this time around, they are able to move from one leaf they have ate to another one. One thing is that if they are eating the, the plant, like uh, what you call um, um, lady's finger, let me use that as an example, which is okra, we call it okra. When they, they are eating this okra, they can eat the, head, the top. They will not finish it, they move to another one and destroy it. So at this stage, when they begin to grow, uh, at the stage of pupa, when they begin to grow, they continue the destruction. They will not finish one, they move to the next one. They will not finish that one, they move to the next one. So this is how the farmer will suffer in their hands. And the last point is the fourth stage. They develop into complete flying locusts. By this time, they can move from the farm A to farm B. They can fly long distance, as we have all seen here. They will invade anywhere. At times, they are irritating. They are very, very irritating. Because of the way you are looking at them. But they are also beautiful. Right? They make some noise. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the danger of this type of epidemic is you will be thinking the problem is over. They are not over. Because if you kill the grown-up one, the other ones are coming up. Right? Right? Immediately the hash after the egg, the destruction continues. So it's in a cycle. It takes time before this thing is uh, destroyed. So in summary, the locusts always come to destroy much of the vegetation. They will eat from every tree and plant. All fruit also will be consumed. Absolutely nothing green will be left behind. The land at times when they cover it can be invisible because they are so, these things are so many. And what is the effect of this? People will not have food. Me and you will not have food. That's what it means. It does not leave the priest alone also. The priest also, the, the, normally from that, what we have read here, they also mourn because source of the grain for drink offering were cut off. Whenever they fellowship with God, they believe that they offer the grain and drink offering as a sign of fellowshipping with God. And when there is no source of this drink, is it possible to fellowship with God? These are the kind of destruction 
that this uh, locust brought to the land of uh, Judah. Joel warned people that invasion of locusts is a warning. The same thing I'm telling you now. I'm reminding you of that warning of, uh, of Joel. And he was warning people because he compared that destruction to that of God. The same Joel 1, 15. 1, 15. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The day of the Lord is it, at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Joel 2, 11. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Joel was telling the Judah that the day of the Lord is near. I'm reminding you of everything. The day of the Lord is near. Maybe we have seen this type of locust before. Yes, that is possible. We might have seen it before. But how do they disappear? They kill them. They destroy them. After so many years again, they are coming together. Do you think they are just arching one by one and begin to gather themselves together? God knows how to bring them together and they will multiply and they will invade whichever land they want to invade. So, the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. That's what that first Joel 1.15 was telling us. The locust plague was terrible. But the day of the Lord is worse than that. So how prepare you? How safe are you? Praise the Lord. The screen is off. God's judgment is worse than that of the, what Joel was trying to describe there. Now let's look at what Joel was talking about again. Joel was trying to tell them that they need to repent. He was appealing to them. He appealed for repentance. He called them to, to repent. Joel 2, 12 to 17. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart. With fasting. Ah, okay. We declare three day fasting. With During weeping, the three nights also. With, Go ahead, brother. with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. In verse 12, Joel reminded them what God said. God was pleading. Now, therefore, say the Lord, turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourn. What is the meaning of this? 
Anytime we turn away from God, our Heavenly Father plead on our behalf to come to Him. Today God is calling you. Come back to me. Turn to me. Come back to me. Return to me. Regardless of any reason why you leave God, He wants you back. He wants to carry you like a baby. He wants you to sit on His lap. He wants you to live in that mansion that Jesus Christ was talking about. In my father's house, how many mansions? Many mansions. God is calling you. Praise the Lord. But the question is that, will you come back? Will you let go whatever is keeping you away? Are you ready to come back to God? This is mercy of God. He needs you and me. And that is glorious home. Although God speaks of judgment against Judah, but that is not what he wants. In verse 13, what's verse 13 saying? So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. In 2 Peter 3, 9, God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's what Peter wrote there. God needs true repentance. That's what we have just seen. If you read verse 12 and 13a. So, let's look at analysis of true repentance. Okay, let me explain like this. A boy was walking home one day from school. He was walking home from school one day. He saw a nice mangoes on a tree inside somebody's compound. He quietly sneaked in and climbed the mango tree and plugged five mangoes. But when he got home, he realized that he has committed sin. Then he went to his dad. Dad, I went to the so-and-so compound and I plugged five mangoes. Then the father wrote some scripture on the on the on a sheet of paper and gave it to him. Go and read this. Read it five times. That five times represents each mango you have plugged. Truly, this boy, if you within you and me, you will assume that yes, he has changed. He wants to repent. Then he asked his father a question. Is that all? Just to recite the five the five uh, verses, five times. He said, I say yes. Then the boy asked again. Daddy, can I do it ten times? He said. Then the father asked, why? He said, because there are remaining five mangoes there. <laughs> now, is that true repentance? You and me, we are doing similar things. So, okay, I will ask God for forgiveness. You need that, you pray, God forgive me, I've committed this sin. Again, when you open your eyes, even before you take your step, in your mind also, your mind is reminding you that, don't worry, do it again. After all, God is not even here presently with you. We do the same thing. Joel was telling the Judas that they need true repentance. So, true repentance is not just something you say out. Like we have read in verse 12. It has to do with the heart, with your mind. Declare, 
He said, return to me with all your heart, with fasting. So, true repentance has to do with the heart, not just your physical body or your physical mindset without uh, taking action. It involves a genuine change of heart. The incentive for the true repentance is in 13b to 14. Notice the incentive for true repentance. Joel wrote in verse 13b, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. He is gracious. Those are the incentives. If you are afraid, you are being encouraged, go back to him. Some people, when they, when they pray, they ask for repentance, they begin to cry, they begin to shed tears. That is not enough. You need to tear your mind. You need to tear your heart and give true repentance, total repentance. So, Joel was mentioning incentive in that 13b, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and he, he relents from doing arms. God doesn't want you to suffer. Many times, or all the time we, are, we, we commit sin, but God still delivers us. As we sit down here, many of us, we begin to imagine the images of God in our mind. There are a lot of people that have that one. And they are just thinking it's God that, okay, when people come to hell, heaven, we say, you, hell, you, this, we begin to send everybody to hell. No, he doesn't want that. He wants you and me to come back to him so that we can feed those mansions that he has prepared. He plead with them to repent. He plead with the Judeans to repent and return to him because he's gracious, he's merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, relent from doing harm. What a wonderful God we have. Repent, brethren. Don't let it be too late. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is the day of the salvation. Now let's talk to the step to true repentance. That is in, from verse, that's Joel 2, 15 to 17. He said, blow the trumpet. That is number one step. You blow, brother, read, read that for me. Blow the trumpet at Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? That is Joel 2, 17 to 15. So, Joel tells the people what they must do in order to regain God's favor. He wrote seven steps to true repentance. And these seven steps are, blow the trumpet. If you blow the trumpet, what are you doing? You are celebrating. God wants you to celebrate. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. 
Bring together the elders. It doesn't stop there. He said, gather the children, including infants, like the baby we dedicate today. The nursing mother also has called to, to join to join it. Can you read for the brother? Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Praise the Lord. Do you know all these steps that Joel mentioned there? They are all command. And none of the command even tell us that, uh, inform them to, to find solution to the invading uh, army. That is invading locals. There is no way that it talks about that. Rather, the command essentially called the people to a religious assembly where they are to cry to the Lord, seeking the face of the Lord for forgiveness. And notice that everyone is to attend. Everyone. Joel wrote in verse 16b, Let the bridegroom leave his room, and even the bride her chamber. Even those that are supposed to be in honeymoon are not left behind. They must leave and come together. Those, everybody are called like the, the bride and the bridegroom that's supposed to be their special night but God commanded they, have, they should not be exempted they have to be called and what do, they have, what do they have to do they are required to give their heart in repentance to God today also I'm reminding you that you need to repent. Let the locusts that we witness here in Oman remind you that God is calling you and mine to repent. That is very important. God does not want me and you to perish. He wants us to live with him. Finally, Joel wrote about the even pastor is not left out. The minister leading the people in repentance. And what has he written about that? In verse 17. Let the priest who is minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people. Here we have people, the pastor is doing that. The intercessory team, they are interceding for us. So, the intercessory team, the, the interceding ministry, this is where they come in also. The priest, the minister, who is to gather these people together, must weep at the altar and plead with God, spare your people. So, the priest was to come and weep and ask God to spare his people. And restoration, now, Let's talk about the restoration, the vision of blessing. The vision of blessing. That is in Joel 2, if you read from 18 to the 
maybe to 28 or so. He talked about what we are talking of restoration here. And what happened only the when he, he restored everything. This is a vision for blessing. Jesus is talking, God is talking about blessing. He's going to restore you back when you come back to him. He will bless you. That's what he's saying. Once the people genuinely repent, when you are genuinely repent, return to him, the blessing will follow. God will have pity on you. He will replenish the crops. Now, if you look at this jewel, nowhere here in Oman, I, if you go through the news and internet, you will see that they use some insecticide to destroy this pest. But in this case, nothing like that. God knows how to take them away. Because God has pity on them, because they return back to them and he will restore their cross back. He drives the locusts for them, himself. He drives them away. The animal will once again have plenty of food to eat. And you and me also will have plenty of food and water to drink. You see, this locust is, the way they destroy, it's not just the vegetation only. They pass through many things, even to the drinking water. Thank God these days we have processing water. That it is reprocessed before you drink it. In those days, you have to go to a stream. In some part of the world, people still go to a stream to fetch water and drink, even without cooking it. So you can imagine this kind of uh, uh, locust invade that particular area. It will be irritating to drink. So God is going to bless his people. So God wants to bless his people. God says his word, listen. Because I will show you how you can be blessed. In Joel 2.25, it reads, So I will restore to you the year that the swarm locust has eaten. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. I don't know the locust that is eating your life. I don't know the kind of locust that is eating the work of your hand. God is saying, I will restore to you the year that the, the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the shrewing locusts. Many great army which I send among you. God said he's going to restore them back. In verse 26, he said, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. So God is telling you, times and conditions apply. Return to me, this blessing will be yours. Render your heart, not your clothes. Tear your heart, not your clothes. And return back to me, you will not be put to shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In verse 27, Then you shall know I'm in the midst of Israel. I'm the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. That is, when God restores all the lost glory, when all the blessings are brought back to you, he is telling you that he is the Lord, and there is no any other Lord. There is no any other God, and you shall never be put to shame in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In verse 28, he said, He shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. Your son and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen? Amen. Or you don't want your children to prophesy? <laughs> There's a portion for you there. He said your son and your daughter shall prophesy. Your old man, because to your, to your children you are old. You shall dream, dream. And the young man, and give or see. You shall see what? Vision. Vision. Praise the Lord. Our God is good. When we return back to him, these are the promises that he has made for us. In conclusion, God's message doesn't change. Amen. This message I'm telling you now was given by Joel in many years back. Unfortunately, the Bible didn't talk much about him. Maybe in the introduction they say it's a son of uh, Putel, something like that. There's no much about Joel in the scripture. But the message doesn't change. The same message we are, we are talking about today, repent your sin and return to him. That was Joel's message to Judah long time ago. And that is what I'm also telling you now. As we witness the invasion of locusts in Oman, I hope that I hope that has remind you and me Joel message to Judah, turn to God, ask for his forgiveness. God's forgiveness and blessing are available only to those that return back to him. There are the sort of, if you refuse, there are also re reports. Uh, yes, there are resorts for if you refuse to go back to him. But we are not going to talk about that today. But very briefly I can tell you, the wages of sin is what? You will not die in Jesus' name. So let us repent and come to God and he's going to bless us. So the message of Joel to people in his day, like I said, is still the same message today. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abound in steadfast love, and he relent over disaster. That I've talked about. And as you do this, God Almighty will visit you in the mighty name of Jesus. And he will restore all the things that you have lost in the mighty name of Jesus. May God bless his word. Praise the Lord. Let us be on our feet. I want you to talk to God concerning the man of God. I want you to ask God's anointing to continue upon him. The Lord should bless him because he has blessed us today with the word of God. Let us pray. Our Father, we want to thank you for your son. We want to thank you for your word you sent to us today. Lord, we give you all the glory. We pray that your anointing will continue over your son in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. The word of God has come unto us and he has made us to understand like he said in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, that he will come like a thief in the night. 
but before he comes like a thief in the night. What are the signs? And these are some of the signs. That you begin to experience certain things that are not comfortable. And what are you expected to do at that time? To turn to God. Father, what is the reason for all these things? And the Bible has made us to understand why these things happen is for him to draw you closer to himself. They happen so that he can draw you to himself. So when these things are happening, you should know in the midst that God is a loving God. And he has given us a way out. And that is to repent. To repent of our ways. And when we repent, he has given us all the promises from verse 24 to 28 of Joel chapter 2. Let somebody shout hallelujah. Are you experiencing certain things that are making you uncomfortable now? What you are supposed to do is to go to God with this kind of question. Oh Lord, what do you have me to do? And once he declares that to you and you do it, his promises as he has given will continue to be our portion in the name of Jesus. Let us give God praise and appreciate him for his word. The Bible says it is the children that he loves that he chastised. It is the children that he loves that he tells the way out. This is a way out that the Lord has given to us today. Let us give him praise. Let us appreciate him. My Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, because you will remove all the low costs from among us. Father, O oh Lord, you will cause the floors to be full of wheat and of fat shall overflow in the name of Jesus. My Father, I pray you will restore to us all the year the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the caterpillar have eaten in the name of Jesus. And you sh we shall eat in plenty and be satisfied in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let us share the grace in fellowship with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Surely, your goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord.